What's up, everybody, and welcome to Tailgate Talks. It is week 74 here at Tailgate Talks, and you are listening to Club Red. Uh, I'm your host, Brooks Barrett, joined by Dustin Wimmer, and we're here to talk all things Texas Tech. Right now, we got to recap a tough loss against Oklahoma State to end the regular season and the Big 12 tournament and Big 12 awards. So uh, hang with us as we get through all of that. But first, Make sure you are following us on Apple and Spotify. Hit us with those five-star ratings if you would. We would greatly appreciate that. And if you listen to us on Apple, hit us with a review. If you hit us with a review, we'll start paying some of these shot bet debts that we owe off. And uh, just to show our gratitude to you for doing that. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Twitter. That's where we post the most things. So you can keep up with all we're all our interactions, the Big 12 awards and all that stuff there. We're at tailgate underscore talks there. If you want to follow our personal accounts, it's Dustin Wimmer 22 and me at Calvin B. Barrett. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. We also have a YouTube channel that we are looking to get videos posted back up now that we found a way to kind of streamline these videos, get us some good quality video content so we look to get some videos back there and then lastly we have an email at tailgate talks pod at gmail.com let's get into this week's club red we're gonna start this thing off right This week's Club Red, we have a tough game to discuss this week, Dustin. Uh, I know you were busy on Saturday for most of it, so you didn't have to watch the tragedy that unfolded in Oklahoma State. Yeah, thank God. In in Stillwater. But Texas Tech falls apart in the second half and just completely hands Oklahoma State a 52-51 victory. Uh, to conclude Oklahoma State's regular season as they have no they are not allowed to play in any tournament so that was it for them Dustin like I said you were busy I know you don't didn't get to watch the game but what was your first thought when you saw that Tech lost that game yeah I was a solid hour or two behind even looking at the score just hoping for I thought we'd just cruise to a you know 10 12 point victory or something and I think my first reaction in text to you guys was how the F did we only score 51 points and lose this game? Like, that blows yep. my mind. And like now I'm, that I'm looking at the team stat sheet, we shot horrible, but we still outshot them. We had a, we should made more threes than our opponent for yep. once. <laughs> like stuff we didn't do, and the turnovers are tied. Fouls are tied. If I'm just looking at this, I don't and not, didn't watch the game. I don't know what, where and how we lost. So please enlighten me on how this how would this choke job happen. Yeah, so the game was pretty in hand there in the second half. Uh, Bryson Williams and Kevin O'Banner hit back-to-back threes. Oklahoma State calls a timeout. There's like 10 minutes left in the game. It looks like everything's going well. We figured it out on offense, and then all of a sudden, 10 minutes straight, you can't score. I think around the seven, six minute mark, I tweeted out, we might not ever score again. And that almost came true. We only scored two points and those two points came in the final minute. Uh, wow. It was 
it was some of the worst basketball that I have ever seen a tech team play. That might be recency bias a little bit, but how good that this team is. Just two weeks ago, we were talking about us being final four contenders and like nobody playing better basketball than us. Yet here we are going nine minutes and 40 seconds, I think, and scoring two points and losing to a team that was terrible. Like, look at it this way. You were up 10. And in that whole entire stretch, Oklahoma State only took the lead on you at the very end of the game. So you were turning the ball over. You kept giving them chance after chance after chance, and they weren't taking advantage of it. They kept giving you chances to stay in the lead, but you couldn't do anything. You had five straight turnovers. Mark Adams wouldn't call a timeout. He wouldn't sub in anybody else. It just became a snowball effect that just kept rolling down the hill. And then it got to the point where it was too late. The offense had no confidence. Um, You were getting poor possession after poor possession. Everybody was scared to turn the ball over and you just couldn't generate anything on offense. And then it was too late. You know, there was, there was no chance we were even going to get a shot off at the end. And, you know, we did manage to get a shot off and TJ got fouled. Yeah, he definitely got fouled. I will agree to that. Big 12 refs. You never want to put it in their hands. And I bitch about big 12 refs more than anybody that I know. But I was okay with them not calling that foul because of how bad you played. You played so bad, you did not deserve to win that game. You did not deserve two free throws to win the game at the end. So I was okay with that no call. You just played You played terrible. And we had all of these things in front of us, and you blew it in two games against TCU and Oklahoma State where you know the opposing team had no right of winning. Yeah, I saw the final play. Yeah, TJ got undercut and hit. You shouldn't put yourself in that situation with a horrible 10 minutes of not ever scoring. That's why I'm never – I mean, yeah, I'm a, an official myself, but that's why I'm never one to be blame the officials is you have way more in your own hands throughout the entire game than those guys do with a couple calls that don't go your way. You could have made this pass or not that pass and a couple easy shots or like free throws – a lot more things you as players and coaches can do to affect the game rather than the refs. So it's very disappointing into the season with three not great games. And luckily we won one of them, but you're sputtering into the tournament. It's super concerning, right? Very. Like how does this change kind of what you've thought about this team as we head into postseason? It's not ideal to be playing your worst basketball at this point. Nope. Um, where does that have your head at on this team right now? Yeah, I was already concerned after last week. We needed a get-right game, and this was lining up to do that for you, and you fumbled the ball there. Now I I'm so concerned. I mean, now you need to go in in Iowa State or in the Big 12 tournament against Iowa State on Thursday night to get yourself back on track. Like, as long as you get one win there, I, I feel better, but – I still feel like looking now look you can look at projections and where you might end up. There's still some tech people that are like, oh, this bracket works well for us. I'm not scared of this team or this 6, 11, 7, 12, whatever, 5, 12 match we end up with. I'm concerned whoever we play, if we're playing like this the last two weeks. We, yeah, you said it. We were talking potential Final Four type team, and then we are not tightened up and anymore and we are super loose and careless and now we could lose first round i don't know is is my point there man 
Um, where where are you at, especially with like going playing Iowa State on Thursday? Yeah, I'm with you. I think this team is a team that can still make the Final Four, and I think right. this team is a team that can get bounced in the first or second round. And right now, wouldn't really surprise me. Correct. I mean, all of the things that you're doing this late in the season are not things that uh, help you in the tournament, right? Turning the ball yeah. over, not. I mean, we are horrible offensive on the defensive boards. I mean, we were just letting them get yeah, offensive rebound rebounded. after it's offensive off. rebound. It was pathetic. I mean, guys weren't even turning around to try to box out a guy. You know, Cisse just destroyed us. And, you know, you think that the coaches would gather everybody around and be like, hey, you got to put a body on him. But time and time again, we couldn't do it. And so it's just those little things like that, like paying attention to the details, you know, maybe not making – that pass maybe not trying to dribble against two defenders maybe not <laughs> you know turning around and boxing out it's those things that are killing us right now and that's the perfect recipe for a first round upset and so yeah I'm, I'm worried because I don't really know what the recipe is uh, to fix it I mean once we turn the ball over it looks like <laughs> it's like everybody's body language completely changed we get so down on ourselves about it Right. It, it, it's just little things like that that you don't really expect to see this late in the season. Early on in the season, sure, when you're just trying to gel and get that chemistry going, but it's not ideal this late in the season at all. The last little thing to talk about this game right now was, you know, Coach Adams, you know, in my opinion, this was probably his first uh, real big mishap coaching-wise. Um, Dustin, did you have anything to add to that? I know, I know you don't, didn't watch the game once again, but you know, coming from that outside looking in perspective, uh, kind of hearing what I had to say, what other people had to say, getting on Twitter, you know, going 10 minutes in this down the stretch without being able to score, manufacture any points. How much do you put that on coach Adams? Is there anything that you thought he maybe could have done differently to counteract that? Uh, where were, is your head at on that? Yeah, and I fall back on the bigger picture of it, not just this one game, but like I said, the last two weeks and three games have been very sputtering type of basketball where, we, yeah, we'll go through these stretches of turnovers and no points for five or so minutes, four to, I guess, now ten minutes yeah. in between there. And I feel like offensively there's not many adjustments being made. I don't know. I can't say – firsthand that I know that but I know that's not coach Adams's wheelhouse but I mean he's been around enough basketball to help make that and coach Peary is supposed to be the offensive coordinator he should be dialing stuff up and making adjustments constantly and the fact that we go on like nine plus minutes without anything is very concerning it I'm still concerned with the turnovers and that carelessness I mean you said we had five straight at one point like God, we got to tighten it up. It's, some, like, it's too late to be doing that this constantly. And that's what I'm concerned about is you can't fix it now. Like the yeah. fact that it wasn't fixed in like January and emphasized and corrected is my big concern. Kind of all of that rolled together. I mean, what about you? It's, it's too late to kind of make those changes. And, and I don't really know how to correct turnovers. I mean, that's kind of like a mental thing, it's right? A mental, and yeah, so well, yeah, definitely. A th there's not really anything you can do to fix that. You can try to get onto them, but that just might make the players get into their heads a little bit more. And maybe that's what's causing the turnovers. I, th I thought a couple things he could have done differently. There was a lot of discussion about him calling a timeout in those five turn, you know, that five turnover stretch. 
And, you know, I definitely agree that he should have done something to stop the bleeding because he waited too long. And then by that point, we were already dead in the water. You know, uh, I thought a well-timed timeout could have made a big difference, sub in some different guys instead of just letting this continue to spiral out of control. Uh, I thought that was a major mistake. And some of the mistakes down on that last possession, I thought were pretty, were pretty bad too. You know, we had 15 seconds on the, on the clock to try to get a shot off. And our first play was the inbound it to Bacho, who, you know, coming back from injury, looked yeah. like it was absolutely terrible in the game. Like couldn't hold on to the ball, couldn't grab rebounds, was just an absolute zero out there. And our offensive play there was to inbound it to him. Ball gets knocked out of bounds immediately because he couldn't catch it. And then play after that, Adonis almost turns it over. And then you get it batted out of bounds when you're trying to inbound it. And then you end with like TJ just having to force up a desperation shot, which I don't put on TJ. Like he had to get a shot off there. Right. I just thought it was, you didn't put anybody in a good position to try to succeed in that situation. Yeah. And it's really frustrating because you had 15 seconds. That should be plenty of time to get a clean look off. Those were some of the things I thought that we could have done a better job on. And, you know, we haven't had those issues from coach Adams this for pretty much this whole year, but it's really concerning when you go that long a stretch and you're not able to figure out any sort of offense to, to combat it. It, it just, it got really frustrating to almost where I just wanted to turn the game off. Uh, it was like one of those things where you knew disaster was coming, but you couldn't take your eyes off of it. That kind of wraps up that Oklahoma state game. It was brutal. Uh, one that you want to forget short-term memory forget about it, move on, and let's move on to the Big 12 tournament, which Dustin starts on Thursday night, and you face off with Iowa State, a team you split the season series with, losing to Iowa State there and beating them at home. Of course, we all know when we lost to them there, we only had seven players. You didn't really have your full team. Uh, what are your thoughts going into this uh, important all-of-a-sudden game on Thursday night against Iowa State? That's exactly right. Now it's important because you sputtered down the stretch, lost two out of your last three. You were sitting pretty solid in the two or three spot in the Big 12. And no, that's where you ended up, but you're not as solid as you were, especially now going into seeding for March. I think you need to win this game. Like, I don't care how you do it and how you look, just win this game. If you can make it to the final four of the Big 12 tournament, the committee will know you're good. Like, I just want to get that far. We'll play Baylor next round, hopefully, um, if we make it that far. And just let the chips fall where they may there. But win this game for sure. Because if you don't win this game, now there's going to be even more questions from that committee. And, hell, you could end up with a five seed. I wouldn't be surprised if that's how much this snowballs. I agree. I, You know, typically I'm not a huge fan of tournaments. You know, I, I think it's just a – you know, get out of it healthy. And, you know, if you win a game, cool. But yeah, the importance of this game has ramped up significantly after that loss. I think you basically have to beat Iowa State to lock up a three seed. I, I don't think you can lose to them and, and expect that oh, anymore, um, especially how you've sputtered down uh, the, the end of this season. So this game is very important and it's a kind of a road game. Iowa State fans travel really well to this tournament. They, it's usually them and Kansas fans that kind of dominate this thing. So there's going to be a lot of Iowa State fans there. So it's going to be probably to their advantage on that. So are you able to go in 
control the ball, not turn it over, and get a win uh, against the you know a team that's fighting for tournament position as well. So it's a very important game, and you know for me, this is all about Kevin McCuller. Is he back? Is he healthy? And can he? kind of regain some control of the offense. What are you thinking with Kevin McCuller? Because he is hurt. You want him healthy for the NCAA tournament, obviously, but what are you kind of looking for and expecting from him in this tournament? Because I think getting him back now is really important. Yeah, this is where your returning guys need to really hold everybody together and guide them through this, you know, Kansas City trip. And like TJ, Kevin, you've been there. Marcus, even Silva, I think they went up there last year. He's like those veteran tech guys that have been here more than one year. They need to rally the troops and be like, Hey, this matters still. Like these games matter. And McCuller, if he's mostly healthy, I mean, that's what we've seen the year. He'll get out there and play, but you want, don't get more injured. Correct. Like right. you can't have you more injured going into the next week of games. Like, if you can't go and it's going to hurt more, just step out. Like we have enough dudes to, to make it happen, but we can't have you get hurt more just because you want to play. It's tough because you want to see us kind of get back to where we were just a couple weeks ago. Right. Like you sure. want, oh, yeah. like you can have all this kind of negativity that we have all this little doubt that's crept into our mind that can go back right like disappear real quick if you come in and have a great tournament you know think about back to when we lost to Iowa State with seven guys we had Kansas and Baylor following that and we were already considering those losses and the season flipped right then and there so things can flip really quick for this team um, with or without McCuller I just think the importance here is getting some of that offensive momentum back right getting some confidence in other guys besides Bryson because Bryson's obviously going to be there I think you got to be watching for the offense. I think, you know, we know our defense is going to be there each and every game. It's just what can you get out of the offense in this tournament? Can Kevin O'Banner kind of keep his hot streak going? He was really good in that Oklahoma State game. Can other guys like Davion, Adonis, TJ find a rhythm offensively? I think it's definitely important in this game. So overall predictions, Dustin, Big 12 tournament. First off, where do you see Texas Tech? Uh, Big 12 tournament run ending. Do you have us in the championship second round? Wh- where do you think Texas Tech finishes this tournament? Realistically, I see us losing second round to Baylor, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Definitely nothing wrong with that. I mean, hopefully, I could see us going on a run and winning the whole damn thing. Yeah. You know? I, just like we said with the March Madness tournament, I could see the same thing here. I could possibly see us turning the ball over and somehow losing to Iowa State, I think that's very highly unlikely, to be honest. I think we can handle them. I don't think they're a very good team. And Baylor's obviously really good. I think that's going to be a really hard matchup and battle that out and hopefully come out with a win. But if you lose that game, that's okay. That's where I'm at. That's kind of what I think is going to happen. I think you're just a better team than Iowa State. As long as you can you know, keep Brockington in check, I think that should be – uh, a win for you. And, you know, I think the perfect tournament here is a win versus Iowa State and then a really good competitive game versus Baylor. And, you know, win or lose that, I think you can leave this tournament feeling pretty good about yourself. Yeah. It's really hard to beat a team three times. It's really hard to beat one of the best teams in the country three times. So yeah. 
So I think just like the perfect tournament run for me would be beating Iowa State and then, you know, losing in a close, really good game to Baylor, one that you've kind of got your confidence back and feeling good about yourself as you head yes. back into the tournament. Overall, who do you think ends up winning the tournament? Are you, are you pulling like thinking Baylor, Kansas, uh, any upsets, or, or what are you thinking on that? I'm thinking Baylor will pull it out. I mean, Kansas is a solid team, I think, most of the way, but I think Baylor the, over the last few weeks has really figured out some things and gotten a little healthier. So I think they end up pulling it out. I think Kansas has kind of uh, stumbled here towards the end. Uh, you know, losing that game to Baylor, losing that game to TCU, you know, almost losing twice to TCU in the same week and then struggling against Texas at home as well. Baylor is playing the best basketball they have this season right now. So I have to go with Baylor winning this one as well. I think that's probably the safe pick there. So let's move on to a, a topic of conversation that got all of Texas Tech Twitter riled up, and that was the Big 12 regular season awards coming out and that is our topic for club red conversation this week so in case you missed it the coach of the year in the big 12 went to scott drew the head coach for baylor university there was three defensive players of the year in the conference (laughs) three co-defensive players of the year like what the hell are we doing if there's three defensive players of the year and not a single one of them Held from Texas Tech, uh, your defensive players of the year where I'm just going to call him Everyday John because that's his nickname for Baylor, uh, the guy who had that gruesome knee injury that ended his season early. Uh, Cissé, the Oklahoma State guy who we are familiar with now because he kind of destroyed us in that game, and then Gabe Osabuyan, the West Virginia guy. All, uh, all of these guys were also on the all-defensive team with Marquise Noel from Kansas State and Dewan Harris Jr. That's right. No Texas Tech Red Raiders made the all-defensive team in the conference. And, you know, the little bit of recognition we got was Bryson Williams got first-team All-American, uh, but he was not the newcomer of the year. So, Dustin, after going through all of those awards, what are you thinking uh, and what were your thoughts on a – on these awards that really kind of left Texas Tech out of it. So these are the coaches' picks and awards, correct? I I think so, yeah. I think the coaches vote on this. Okay, Um, gotcha. I don't know if any like anybody else has votes. I think that's correct. I mean, the fact that the coaches picked Scott Drew over Mark Adams is mind-blowing to me when you're literally playing against the dude and – for the first time, he's putting your offense in pretzels and knots. And Scott Drew has one of the best teams in the country. Sure, they were hurt, but still ended up almost winning the conference in a top five team in the country. Like expectations mm-hmm. were there, and you you met them. And our expectations were way lower than this, and you very exceeded them. This was the one that the tweet that kind of got us going on. There was you know we kind of. We tweeted it out, got a lot of interactions off it. A lot of people, you know, tech fans agreed. Some people didn't agree with it, but we basically just said Baylor did what they were supposed to do this year. Yeah. And and that was, they started off like number six in the country. Uh, they replaced, sure, they replaced NBA players, but you have to do that when you win a national championship. Um, <laughs> that That's what happens when you win a national championship is you probably have really good players that are going to go play in the NBA. Yeah, no shit. So he replaced that with 
future NBA players and some of the top freshmen in the class um, was number one in the country for a while. Like all of this was things you expected from Baylor this season. Correct. And maybe if you didn't as a fan, it's definitely something that they internally expected. It's something that us tech fans and other big 12 fans thought I was like, Baylor's probably going to be one of the toughest teams to beat in the country this year. So their mountain that they had to climb was much, much smaller than the one that you had to climb. Like, look at what Mark Adams had to do. He had to replace a a whole coaching staff. He had to replace his whole team after Beard left us, didn't recruit anybody for us. So it's not like we had, you know, top 100 freshmen coming in like Baylor. We already were starting behind Scott Drew, who's already been at Baylor, already built a culture, already got a recruiting, you know, class going, already has a staff. And the start program and like yeah. tell these coaches how you want to do things, tell your strength guy how you want things to go. Like all the stuff off the court you gotta to manage too. Yeah, all of that. Drew's been doing it for twenty years. Including expectations after you did just lose the coach who brought you to the heights that you've never seen in basketball. Trying to, you know, replace that. A lot of skepticism throughout the college basketball media, not internally at tech. I think we all we're pretty damn right about this team expecting it, us to be good, but the national media completely wrote us off. For you know, sure. that's the whole beef we had with good with Jeff Goodman is, is he thought we were going to stumble back into where we were before beard was here, which was irrelevance, you know, and you didn't do that. You ended up competing for the big 12 championship. You swept Baylor. You almost swept Kansas. You swept Texas. Uh, it's just, the amount of things that we accomplished this year and sure some of those losses down the stretch did not look good, but from where we were on April 1st when beard left to now is nothing short of incredible by far, by far. Totally agree. And then, yeah, you just threw it in there. The fact that we beat Baylor twice and at their home court to ruin their streak that they had going on. Like Mm -hmm. if literally, if you don't know how to fill out your ballot, do the head-to-head and be like, well, there's a lot more on the Mark Adams plate. And he beat Scott Drew head-to-head. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, like Scott Drew, and, and you tweeted this out yesterday, you know, Scott Drew shouldn't even been second place on that ballot. No. It should have been, you know, the Iowa State coach uh, who took a team that I think hadn't won a conference game in like two <laughs> seasons yeah. and uh, had them undefeated heading into conference play and sure their conference record – was under 500, but the turnaround that he did at that they program. Were picked, I think ninth or tenth. Last, I'm pretty ninth, sure they were picked dead yeah, last. Maybe, yeah, ninth or tenth, and he brought them up to way better than that. So yeah, I always think like coach of the year. It, it, it's kind of lazy work if you're just picking the guy who, yes. you know, you know, sure they were picked to finish behind Texas. <laughs> um, you know, everybody got that Texas one wrong, but you know, I don't think you get, should get as much credit for doing what. Scott Drew did with the team that he has and the culture that he's built there as somebody like coach Adams or the Iowa state coach who, you know, had to overcome a lot to get to their, where they are. So kind of moving on to that, let's just get into the next part that kind of got some interaction. And that was the newcomer of the year award. We had some Iowa state fans come in and tripping at us. We had your friend Corey Hayes tripping at me a little bit on that. (laughs) What were your, Thoughts on Bryson Williams losing uh, to Isaiah Rockington on the Newcomer of the Year award. Yeah, that's the only other one that I get kind of aggravates me is Bryson's the first team 
conference guy but doesn't get newcomer like that doesn't add up at well, all Brock, to be fair brockington was also a first was teamer. He? i don't have yes. the list in front of me that's i mean and so i guess guys are just taking straight up like oh his point average is better and this and that and didn't have as much around him i don't know but i mean if you just look at what bryson's done for two months in the big 12 it's it's ridiculous how good he has been so i mean i'd like to see the ballots for all this stuff especially the coach of the year stuff and who voted for what i'm not as mad about this one because yeah iowa state kid was really good but uh splitting hairs in my opinion i don't know you i think i feel like you feel more strongly about it (laughs) yeah i'll I was going at it with a couple people there on the Twitter. Um, a lot of people are just throwing the stats, you know, though. He scored right. more. He did this more. And and I didn't think that really tells the whole story. I've always I've always said when it comes to awards, winning is a lot of part of it, you know. You don't give out MVPs. It's guys who are on losing teams, you know. You don't give out six-man to a guy who's on a shitty team. Six-man goes to a guy who is on a really damn good team for the most part. Like, so – uh, winning is kind of synonymous with awards. It, it correlates, right? If you're really good, your team probably won. And so I, I was pointing out that, you know, Bryson Williams and Texas Tech go 12 and six while Iowa State went seven and 11. And they're like, right. imagine thinking that winning like goes to individual stat award or whatever. Well, your individual stats should propel your team to winning more. And Bryson's team goes 12 and six. Because of him, without Bryson Williams' consistent double-digit points every night and being that guy that we can rely on to get you, you know, uh, several buckets when you need to, Texas Tech is not where they are uh, this season. And same with Iowa State. Like, they are a completely different team if they don't have Brockington. But he's a point – he's not a point guard, but he's a guard, so the ball's in his hands. you're splitting hairs with that. Yeah. It's literally three and a half more points. It's it's Like, I get it if you want to give it – like, like the fact that Abaji won, yeah, he's scoring twenty points a game. That's why he's player of the conference. Yeah, like also on a team that won to fourteen. Eh. Yeah, I and I'm with you on that, but I kind of like to look at other numbers too. So let's take this into account. So Rockington shot forty six point nine field goal percentage. Bryson Williams shot fifty four point four field goal percentage. Rockington shot seventy seven point three at the free throw line. Bryson Williams shot 78.8 from the free throw line. You, you skipped over. He has a better three-point percentage. Well, that's what I was getting to. Here, the yeah. last and the best. And they both take the same amount of attempts per game at three. I looked into this. Well, Brockington shoots 39.2% from three, while Bryson Williams shoots 42.7 from three yep. as a center. So, you know, some <laughs> of it is the balls in Brockington's hands a lot more, so he has a lot more opportunities to shoot, so his numbers are going to be inflated. Well, the other thing I wanted to look at was efficiency numbers because that's another good way of telling, like, how consistent a guy is. And guess what? Bryson Williams' PER was third in the league at Ooh. 24.6. Well, Isaiah Brockington was 12th in the league at 21.49. If you're not up to date with what, a PER is player efficiency ratings. That's the measure of how efficient you are on the court during your minutes. So it doesn't take into effect how many minutes you play. It takes into effect how well you play and how much you contribute to your team success during those minutes. 
So I think like the guy who finished first in the Big 12 was only playing 11 minutes a game or something like that. But <laughs> during that time, he's contributing a lot. And so it's a very good indicator on how well you're doing in the minutes that you're playing and how well your team success is on those minutes. And Bryson just kind of kicks his ass in that number. Those are great numbers, man. Yeah, so I did the digging, and then the last little bit of it is, which is funny, is Bryson was the only unanimous newcomer on the newcomer team, but somehow he doesn't win newcomer of the year. That's a little bizarre to me. Yeah. Uh, that Brockington wasn't unanimous on that team, but wins it over Bryson. So that was one that kind of bothered me. Uh, the other one, I guess, no defensive players on, you know, from the best defense on the all defensive team. Did you have anything you wanted to shout out about that or? I'm actually okay with that, and here's why. Okay, I'm interested by this. One, I mean, yes, we have the best team defense in the Big 12. Keyword there is team. Also, with how many guys play in our rotation, I mean, we're playing at least eight, if not up to ten guys, at least eight to nine with quality minutes a night. The fact that we had so many injuries throughout the last two months of conference play, None of our guys got, like, a lot of time and minutes. Like, you didn't have uh, Silva getting a ton of minutes, like, on his own because he's coming off the bench. Bryson's not a stud defensive guy. Um, same with Adonis Arms. Like, Kevin McCuller, sure, he's on the, like, national awards list, but he was hurt so much. Like, you can't really give it to him. Malik Wilson argument just because he's got better – per minute stats well he's not playing that many minutes because he's not great on offense so like we don't have a one singular lockdown defender is what i'm trying to say but as a unit out there we'll give you the worst headaches out of anybody else that's my point we don't have an individual but as Five guys or all eight, nine, ten guys were amazing. That makes sense to me. I still think I would like to see one of our guys represented on that. I think Davion could have received some recognition. I think um, if I had to pick one, yeah, he would be it. If you look at like some of his defensive efficiency numbers, they're through the roof. There's that Twitter JG trends or whatever mm -hmm. uh, that you know, that tweets out I some efficiency numbers. There's a chart where it's just like the highest one is Davion and. You can see some other like Baylor players and a lot of tech players in there. And so it's just kind of funny that like a lot of the efficiency, a lot of the big stat people know that all the tech defenders are elite and yet none of them can make this team. But yeah, I guess like the way you put it, that is a testament to just how deep this team is and how I, many I guys so contribute to it. So yeah, I think that's awesome that we don't have to have, Anybody on the all-defensive team, yeah, we're the best defensive team. Yeah, the cup half full instead of the cup half empty kind of take on that. So um, so if you're out there and you're mad about that, yeah, just listen to what Dustin had to say, a little positivity for you on those awards. But ultimately, you know, we did feel a little gypped by those Big 12 awards, but have no fear the AP poll was – or the AP voters were here to reward us as they gifted us uh, Coach Adams – Coach of the Year for the Big 12 and also Bryson Williams' first team All-American uh, honors. So we have always thought here the AP is, you know, the best at doing these sorts of things. So <laughs> thank, thank you, Don Williams, for rallying the troops today. Yeah. 
Appreciate you. We'll never say anything bad about the AP ever again until next season. Uh, <laughs> so that kind of is all we've got for you on basketball this this week. Big 12 tournament play for Texas Tech tips off Thursday night. We have the late game against Iowa State, so we'll get this out to you before then. So hopefully we have several games to talk about next week when we discuss basketball. But right now it's time for some baseball. We got a little baseball talk for you guys uh, this week. Last last weekend, Texas Tech had a four-game series against Merrimack. And over the weekend, they put it on Merrimack, scoring 70 runs in four games. Uh, the most notable was Parker Kelly, who had three home runs in one game on Saturday, had two grand slams. I think he had 11 Ooh. RBIs in that game. Just pretty Parker been hitting the weight room. Parker been hitting the weight room. He went off. Uh, so that was fun to see, uh, especially because when you have a performance like that, it makes all the rounds on all of college baseball Twitter. Uh, so that was pretty cool and definitely got you feeling pretty good about yourself putting up all those runs. Of course, Merrimack, not a very good team, but always like to uh, kick some ass at home. Uh, Dustin, what do we got for Texas Tech this week? We're currently in the middle of a game versus Mississippi State. So uh, what do you got for us? Mississippi State for two games this week during the, the week. And then weekend series at Rice to go down to Houston, play them for a few games. And then back next week for midweek, two-game series versus New Mexico, who always comes to town for a few games, a little short trip for them. So hopefully – you bounce back from these Mississippi State games, which this one's not looking great on Tuesday night. So, oh, we have a good stretch against Rice in New Mexico for five games. Um, that's all we've got for you this week in Club Red. Catch us uh, in the tailgate where we've got some fun NFL news to discuss, doing a little game in the NBA and some other things. But make sure you are following us on all social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, get all our content there. Follow us on Apple and Spotify to catch each and every Club Red and episode of the tailgate as well. Give us those five-star reviews, and the club is closed. So we will catch you all next week. Peace.